you know, students, something that we're saying a lot recently is students getting activated to become ministers of the gospel. As the Bible says that we're ambassadors, we're ministers. We say, we've said frequently that what's happening here tonight, me with the microphone, the worship team up on the stage, the small group leaders uh, leading groups, like this, what's happening here tonight or what happens on Sunday is not ministry. You know, the, 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 the Sunday service, typical ideology of I'm going to play church is not how God actually wants uh, the, the body of Christ to function. If we look in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that it says that, that pastors, evangelists, and, and, and people in vocational ministry, that their job is for the equipping of the saints to do the works of ministry, not to be the one doing the work of ministry, but to be the ones equipping people to do ministry. That is you. That means you doing ministry. That is you laying your hands on the sick and seeing people recovered. That is you telling people about Jesus, other students about Jesus in your school, adults at the line of the grocery store about Jesus. And I, I, I feel it. I know that you can feel it. I know our leaders feel it, that we feel God pulling us into this as people to get activated to go hard after God with everything that we have. It's why we, we set a few goals. Uh, we've had a goal for so three goals for the past month. Uh, we said we want to see 100 students in one service. We want to, as a student body, lead 70 people to the Lord. And then from that, 20 people get baptized on a Sunday. So 170, 20. We said, you know, we're we feel God pulling us to, to go after him. We feel God pulling us into evangelism. We feel God pulling us to get activated, to not just like play church, but to say, I'm going to, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God, go after him with everything that I have and make an impact in the people around me for the kingdom of, of, of God. And so, you know, I can even feel this personally, like for, for me in my own life, you know, this isn't just something that it's like, oh, this is something to like to tell the students. No, it's like it, this is God is speaking this into into the body of Christ right now. That this isn't just something that we're telling you and then we're just forgetting about it whenever we go home. No, like Alyssa and I are the leaders. We, we feel it. Melissa and I, we went on our 10-year uh, anniversary trip to Mexico a couple weeks ago. Zach Preach, you did a fantastic job. Give Zach a hand. Um, but but while we were there, you know, it's it's it like we we can feel God pulling us into working on our hearts, pulling us into making an impact in people's lives because we're there for ourselves. We're not there to like tell people about Jesus, as, as bad as that may sound. Like we're there to like celebrate our anniversary, but we get in the car with the, our, our driver to the resort. We, we have waiters and constantly we have several conversations as we're there in Mexico. And we're just saying, man, we just, we feel so compelled to tell people about Jesus. And we're like, okay, well, but we're here for our anniversary and we talk and we're like, okay, you know, we're just, we're going to, we're just going to do it. Our life, we're going to be people whose lives are, are just given to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said, that he can feel his life being poured out like a drink offering to the Lord. And so we 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 talked to one of our waiters about, about Jesus. I, a few years ago, was super into a learning Spanish, and so I had memorized John 3.16 in Spanish. And so the the 
the waiters and servers at these resorts are good with like conversational English whenever it has to do with something that is pertaining to the resort. But outside of that, they don't know a whole lot of English. So it actually came in handy to know that. And because he had a very broken understanding of English. And so I told him in a very terrible Spanish that like God loves him and told him, I quoted John 3:16 to him. And you could see that God was touching him. He opened up about his, about his wife and they had just separated. And you could see God touching him and uh, we left him a tip. So pe people are hungry. People, like, people, have, people need what we have. They don't know that they need it. They don't know that they want it, but they, they do need it and we have it. And so uh, you can feel it, that God is, is pulling us into this as a church, as people. And so what we're, we're doing is we're latching onto this with everything that we have. Something that we've, we've said recently, a new mantra for us is to know Christ and to make him known. To know Christ and to make him known. That is, we're going to be saying that all the time now at Aspire, just like we do on Sunday mornings with Psalm 92. This is our mantra, to know Christ and, and make him known. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to take a look at the first part of that mantra, to know Christ, to know Christ. And then uh, we're going to spend a whole sermon series on this idea and then after that, we're going to spend a sermon series for a couple months on the second part, which is in to make him known. And so we're leaning in, you know, don't let it don't let all the games and activities and funds and, and funds and fun that we're doing this month. Let it fool you into thinking that we're just like wanting to have fun. No, we're, we're committing. We're not people that just are, we're not playing church. We're not like, it's great to be able to have a month where we can like incentivize great things like leading people to the Lord and, and, and bringing people to church. That's like great. But at the heart of it is we're going after God with everything that we have. And so that is what this, this message is about tonight. This sermon is, is knowing Christ to know, to know Christ to know him more intimately. So we're going to start. You can open up in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We'll read that here in just a minute. And then uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we love you. And, and God, we pray tonight that as we lean in into knowing Jesus, into knowing you, into going after you with everything that we have. God, I pray, God, we pray that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our understanding so that we could, we could get it, so that reality would sink in for us, so that we live with conviction. God, take us to another level in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever I was in high school, I went to Robert C. Byrd and I, uh, I had a, a driver's ed course. Anybody else in driver's ed? Anybody have a couple people driver's ed? So this is like one of those things where it's like, in theory, it's a really good idea. But in practice, it is just terrible. It is like the worst idea. Because what happened, so I, I got paired. So we, what happens is you have class time in driver's ed where you where you like learn things about driving in a classroom and then there's actual driving time. And so uh, you can actually drive before you have your learner's permit in this class. And so there are, there are students that just know nothing about driving. I, like they're just crazy, you know, they don't know anything. And so I got paired with this, this little young lady, 
named Brittany Green. Brittany, if you're watching this, I'm so sorry that I'm trash talking you, but is you're a terrible driver. So I, I know, like, so I drive and I'm a pro, okay? I'm like, I'm just, I'm a pro. And then Brittany gets behind the driver's seat and it's just all hell breaks loose. I thought I was going to die, okay? I mean, so like when you're driving, you know, you, you like kind of look ahead a little bit and then you steer. Like she was looking in the, we found out that she was looking right at the front of her car. And so like ever, she was like jerking like this. That is how she went around turns. I mean, it was like a jerk fest. I mean, it is, and then she went off, she would veer off the road, not doing her makeup, just driving. Okay. Veered off the road. Um, We had um, a guy that would like fall asleep in the car, like a driver's head teacher that would fall asleep. I mean, it was, so she'd be falling asleep. She's driving, going off the road. It is just not good. So in, in theory, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced something that like in theory, no, that's a great idea. But in practice, like the actual living out happening of it ends up not being a good idea. And I think that this is the way society feels when it comes to knowing Jesus when it comes to knowing God, that it's this really cool idea. And you can listen to, to, to secular people talk about it, people that don't know the Lord talk about church and God. And it's like, yeah, it's great. It's like there's a sense of community and it's like great to be a part of something. And yeah, everybody, everybody needs a family. And, and you, uh, you know, it's like it's good to have like something that is centering you, like centering your life and um, you know, g- giving you a sense of purpose. And, like, and if you can find that in like God, that's like great. Like the, in, in theory, like they can accept the idea, ideology of it. And some people have some qualms against Christianity. They'll talk about the Crusades and how brutal they were and how they were Christians that killed people and different things. But in general, they have like a, yeah, it's like a good idea in theory. But then when it comes to like in practice of it, in large part, the United States has drifted to a like, eh, I don't know if it's actually that practical for me. I don't know if it fits my lifestyle. I don't know if it fits my belief system. I don't know if I agree with all the different scriptures that it says. You know, when I look at other Christians, their lives aren't like how I necessarily want to live. And they... They have a mentality that, okay, to know Jesus is like a good theory, but then in practice, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It's not a good fit for me. They, they don't really think it's a good fit for like society. They don't want to, you know, they just want you to like keep it to yourself. I was reading uh, about a, a coach that, that lost his job because he was praying. I don't know if you guys heard about that. He was praying on a sports field, kneeling and praying after the game and then lost his job and went, had a lawsuit and all that. And people were like, oh, he should just keep it to himself. It's like, it's great in theory, but then when people start to practice it, it's like, nah, we're like, we don't want any of that. Just keep it to yourself. Because I think because people don't understand the actual real value of knowing Jesus, that it's not just something that is good in theory, It is actually something that holds an insane amount of value. Paul is talking about this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 8. What he's talking about in context is all of his accomplishments and everything that he has achieved as a person, as a leader, as a religious person, and the conclusion in his life that he has come to. 
Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, the conclusion he has come to is that all of these other things mean nothing in comparison. Let's look Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter three in verse eight. He says, yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ Jesus. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. Autumn just read the scripture a few moments ago. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. That's talking about giving yourself fully to God. Suffering with him in the sense of he was persecuted for, for, you could say, his beliefs. But being completely sold out to God and suffering in that persecuted sense is what he's talking about. But, but he's, he says a few statements in here that are just so powerful he says, he says first to, to know Christ, to know Christ. Th this word know, it, it carries a lot of depth and connotation with it that we don't actually pick up on our like, English language. If you look at it in the Amplified Version, there are there, there's more light that is shed on it in the Amplified Version. So if Philippians chapter 3, we'll look at verse 8 and then also verse 10 when he's talking about knowing. So he says, But more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay, what is that? And of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him a joy unequaled. So to know him, to know Jesus, to know Jesus. He says, okay, what is it to, to know Jesus? What are, what are we even talking about in knowing Jesus? He says it's, it's the idea of knowing him more deeply, more and thoroughly, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him. A joy unequaled. Look also at verse, at verse 10 in the Amplified. And this, and this, what he's about, so that I may know him. How? Experientially. Meaning like that I experience him. See, Jesus isn't just a theory, as we're saying. Jesus is meant to be experienced. This isn't just, the, the Bible isn't just something that we learn about. It isn't just something that we have head knowledge about. If it is something that we just know up in here, we are majorly limiting what God desires to do in our lives. It is, as Paul says, it's a knowing that is experienced. It is a knowing that whenever you experience Jesus, experience his power, experience his presence, it changes you. I was in, I was in a meeting, at, at, not in a meeting, I was, I was at home, in my own home with a group of people and we were talking about the Lord after some revival services. And as we spent time talking about the Lord, one of my friends got a, a, a prophetic word for somebody else that was there at my house when we were just meeting and talking. 
And so all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit encounter just boosh, exploded. And, and the, the people that were there got filled with the Holy Spirit, laughing in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, and, and I got massively touched by the power of God. Ended up on the floor laughing you know, hysterically, like I couldn't contain, like I, I physically couldn't even stop laughing. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. Just so overwhelmed by the power of God until that was at, we started at like 11 p.m., 10, 11 p.m. till like three, four o'clock in the morning. Just completely overwhelmed by the power of God. Completely overwhelmed. That to, to now, to still today, I feel it. Like, man, that God, from that moment on, God became real to me. Like the whole, the whole idea of Christianity and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's real. That is experience. That is not, well, I went and sat in a church service and like there were some really good hymns. And no, it is, I, I experienced the power of God. We're meant to experience Jesus. That is what Paul is talking about. He says, experience becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. So you have in both verses 8 and 10, the idea of just knowing him more. It's, it's an experience, but it's going deeper, going deeper, going deeper. We say it oftentimes at Center Branch. We say if there's a higher place in God, a deeper place in God, a further place in God, like I, I want to get there. I want to get there. We're saying this year, Pastor Luke has marked it out for us, a year of unusual spiritual progress, to go deeper, to go further. Paul says, when I'm talking about knowing Jesus, he says, I'm, I mean to go after him. I mean to know him more and more and more. And then he says the, the, the controversial, big America shattering, American shattering idea. And he says in verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, everything else is worthless. Why? Because there's an infinite value in Jesus. An infinite value. Infinite. I mean, that is quite literally hard to wrap your mind around. Infinite. You know, in, in science class, we learn that like the universe is forever expanding. You know, it's like, okay, how? How? What, like, what's on the other side of the expanding? Have you ever thought about that before? No, maybe I'm just like really weird. But like Gideon's like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, but like, it's like, how can it be for, like the idea of infinite, you know, to Buzz Lightyear, maybe it makes sense. But like the idea of infinite, is like, how, how is something even infinite? Think about that for a second. Think about the time that we've been on earth. Okay, you've been alive for 16 or so years. Okay, there's been billions of people to live before us, you know? And it's like everybody's, everybody's life is just a small, little, tiny blip that makes zero, like, very small mark in the world most often. I just found out that I have an uncle that worked at a steel mill, like a great uncle that worked at a steel mill, that, that the beam, a beam, a steel beam was falling and there was a guy underneath it and he ran and shoved the guy, saved him, but he got crushed in the process. That was my uncle, just like one, two generations removed and I didn't even know about it. And I'm 31 years old. I'm just finding out about something that, that huge that someone in my family did. So it's like, but my, our lives are like this and they so often can make, 
you know, we believe that we can make an impact, but think how many billions of people, do you know, do you know your great, great grandmother's name? You see, somebody said, yes. But it's like a lot of people don't, you know, where did they live? Where were they born? It's like, our lives are like this, but the idea of infinity is like a gazillion beyond this. Infinity, stretch your mind to think, okay, this is what Paul's saying. It's an infinite amount of worth, an infinite amount of worth. And then he says a very key phrase, in comparison to everything else, in comparison to everything else. And so he's, he's, he's not just saying that, that everything has its value. Okay, that is, that is a truth that we can get out of it, that other things are valuable. So what is everything else? Okay, well, like graduating high school, that's like, that's valuable. Okay, get, being successful, okay, that's good. Getting married, having kids, getting a car, passing a, a grade, your algebra exam. You know, it's like all of these things are like, they, they have value, okay? It's not to say that other things on earth don't have some sort of value that we just, we're just like fail school because Jesus matters. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> Jesus is just important, okay? Everything has value in the sense, it's just in, in comparison, in comparison, Jesus is just, like, it's just way more value, like an infinite more value. Now, the temptation... Remember, we're talking a lot about this theoretical mindset that people have toward Jesus. The theoretical mindset says, okay, yeah, in theory, like, yeah, Jesus is like better. Jesus is better, but like than, than school. Jesus is better than like a boyfriend or girlfriend. Jesus is better than um, porn. Jesus is better than, you know, insert whatever you want. And it's like in theory, yeah, of course, you just like way infinitely more. But what happens is people don't understand the depth of Christ's value. And then in a moment of comparison, in a moment where they have the option to choose something, some, Jesus or something else, the people tend to choose the other thing when they don't understand the infinite value of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying in comparison, what is that in a moment where I'm having to choose what to say, where I'm having to choose how to live, where I'm having to choose what I do, where, where something has presented itself, an opportunity has presented itself for me to have to make a choice between knowing Jesus more or playing sports, knowing Jesus more or, or having premarital sex with our, our, our boyfriend or girlfriend or knowing Jesus more, or like just being shy and not, not really telling people about Jesus. Knowing, knowing Jesus more, or like, you know, I think I'm just gonna sleep a little bit longer. You know, I was like tired the, the more, you know, I was like up super late last night, so I'm like super tired this morning. It's like moments like that, it's, it's, it's not a theoretical comparison. It is in the moment comparison to say, okay, I have a choice in comparison. Paul says he's realized, he's learned, he's experienced. Man, Jesus, it's so much better than all the other things that you could compare him with. All the other options, everything that, every other choice that you could make pales in comparison to the, to the choice of Jesus Christ and of knowing him more. We, there's, there's a few scriptures in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. 
Matthew 13, verse 44, if we can get that on the screen. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man has discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So Matthew, the writer of this gospel, says the kingdom of heaven. He's just talking about knowing God. And he says, the kingdom of God is, is like a dude that finds buried treasure in a field. And he's like, oh my gosh, there's this buried treasure. But he's like, well, I don't own the field. I know what I'll do. I'll hide the treasure again, then sell everything that I have, and then go and buy this field so that I can own the treasure that's in it. He's like, I, like what's in, what this treasure is like, it is worth more than anything that I own currently. This treasure, it's worth like 45 million mansions and it's worth 70 million Lamborghinis. Like, this is this massive thing. He says, so, man, I'm gonna sell my house. I'm gonna sell my, my, my Adidas shoes. I'm gonna sell my pants. It's like, I've got, I, you know, I've got to pay whatever cost it is for that field because I'm getting that treasure. The idea is, a, a complete, like, relentless passion to say, I go, I'm going after God because he is worth everything, everything, every expense, everything that I could give up, everything, he's worth it. And in Psalm 84, verse 10, these are scriptures that, that we've heard, I'm sure you've heard if you've been in the church in any length of time. This is a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. It's like, these are, these are, this is idea that, that we've known a theory, but it's like this, this can't just be theory. It can't just be like, yeah, like I'd rather be like in God's house and like other places. But there are tons of people that don't come to church every Sunday. There are tons of people that would rather be at games than at church to just be, you know, like, oh, I'm, going, I'm going camping. I'm, go camping. I'm going after Jesus. Jesus, he's infinite value infinite and it's it is it is almost impossible to like explain to people that's why we need the power of the holy spirit why we're relying even upon the service tonight for god to awaken something in you to realize this isn't a joke this isn't just theory this is real jesus is alive for God to quicken something in you to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to keep this thing as theory. If, if I can know Jesus experientially, experience this power of the Holy Spirit you're talking about, actually get saved, set free from sin, get healed. You know, all the things, I'm going after it. I'm going to go after it to, to, know, to know Jesus. And he says to become intimately more acquainted with him, to go after him, that he's worth it all. So I'm, I'm going to become more intimately, more deeply, more acquainted with him. How, how do we do that? I want to give you just a, a, few, a few things to think through tonight. And then we're going to pray. A few points just to help you. Number one, how do you know Jesus intimately? How do you pursue him? How, how do you go after God? Number one is it's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. In Luke chapter four, verse four, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. He's in the, the wilderness before he starts his ministry. And Satan says to Jesus, he says, if you are really the son of God, tell this rock to turn into bread. And Jesus, he, he says, excuse me, he says, 
In Luke 4, 4, he says, it is written, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. Man will not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. So Jesus is comparing the words of God to bread. The words of God to bread. Now, I venture to say, unless you're fasting, that you have eaten a couple times today. You know, you probably didn't eat just bread whenever you woke up, and you probably didn't eat just bread when you had lunch. But you, the idea is you, you have eaten. You don't just eat occasionally. You eat daily. And so Jesus is comparing the same idea to the word of God. And he says, just as you like, eat daily, consume daily, he says, this has got to be something like the words of God is something that you engage with daily. Now, we're going to talk about devotions here in just, in just a second. But the main point in this one is that it, it's, there's a personal element to this that the body of Christ has missed and that most Christians are fine with just eating on Sundays. And then they don't take any time to actually eat throughout the week they, they don't take time in the word of God. They don't take time at praying. And so what they end up doing is they end up starving themselves because, well, church is where I get fed. And what needs to happen in the body of Christ is that church isn't actually the place where we get fed. It is that you've got to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to be your own personal because until it becomes personal, until it becomes a you and God thing, a I, I am pursuing Jesus thing, a I, I am going after God, not I'm going somewhere so then people can tell me about God. No, 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 no. Church, what even happens tonight should not be like revelatory knowledge for you. Pastor Luke is a, is a gifted teacher. And he says, he says things all the time that just like blows my mind, that just like, Oh, like I've never heard that thought that way before, said that way before, that idea. But it, he's not preaching new ideas. You understand that? He's preaching things that if you've been in church, if you've been a believer, that we know. We know them. Why? Well, because we spent time with God already, and therefore we get into a service and we know it. What he's really doing is he's just stirring us up. He's just stirring us up. Now, you could be in a, in a place where you're like, oh, I've never heard any of this stuff before, and it's all new. And if you're new to Christ, you should be. Um, you don't know anything, and so you're learning, and that's perfectly fine. But we shouldn't treat churches, well, Pastor Luke is a gifted teacher, and so I'll find everything out I need to know for him. No, 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 no. Or Pastor Josiah. No, it's you have to be feeding yourself. What should happen is when you get to Sunday or a Wednesday, it's a stirring of what God is already speaking to you. It's not new and, new and revelatory information. It's just a stirring of what God is already saying to you, what, what your devotions were, of what you spent. It's, it's a confirmation. It's a stirring up. It's got to be personal. Don't just eat on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. You've got to be, go after God every single day. And so then that leads us to devotions, to, to spending like, at, like time with Jesus. And what does that look like? So we have really two things so you have, like, you're reading the Bible, and then you also have prayer. Now, these are, are very elementary ideas for those of you who, who are, are familiar with, with Jesus. But, like, I, I think 
that we, we can we can make a mistake to to do these things in a way that they're not producing the level of fruit that they're meant to. You know, I don't know if you've ever like watched a movie with someone or like um, watched some, some TV with someone, your parents, uh, uh, your sibling. But it's like it's very easy to like spend time with them and to like not actually have spent any time with them. You know what I'm talking about? It's like uh, Alyssa and I will will watch um, uh, a movie. What was that? We watched some movie just here a, a couple weeks ago. We don't watch TV that often. But uh, as always happens, I'm watching it and she falls asleep. <laughs> um, you, but so it's like, oh, we're going to spend time together. We're just like, going to get closer as a couple. And it's like, ladies, if a guy wants to take you to the movies, he doesn't want to spend time with you. He wants to watch the freaking movie. It's a cop out. Um, I know, yeah. So it's like, it's like you're, you're together, but you're not together. You know what I'm saying? So there's a way of being together. There's a way of doing something, but it not actually producing the result that you're trying to, to achieve. And the same is true with like our devotions and with our prayer time. And it's like people can like, yeah, okay, like I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray, but then it not, it not be producing the, the, like the fruit that it is meant to produce. And one of, the, one of the temptations, one of the biggest hindrances to that is just feeling the need to just like get it done and just to do it. And to not slow down and say, you know what? I'm not here to read three chapters. I'm not here to read a chapter of the Bible. I'm not here to say that I prayed a quick prayer. I'm here to know God. I'm here to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you'll find it very helpful. If you have like three chapters that you want to read in a day, that's like fine. But make it a point, make it a point to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to stop reading until I get a word from God. And that, that's, that's what I've done for the past several years. Um, we're starting a Bible plan. I'll talk about that in a second. And it has three chapters, uh, three or four chapters in it a day. Um, and so, it's like, you read it and complete it. That's like, great. You want like the, the knowledge. That is all good. But it's like, if you're just completing the chapters, but you didn't, but God didn't speak to you in like a little nugget, it's like, it, it's pointless. You spent time with God, but no, actually you didn't. You watched a movie with him, but you actually like, you don't know any more about him. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, take with your devotion, say like, no, I, I, when I'm with Jesus, I'm going to, in my, in my Bible, in my prayer time, I'm, it's going to be fruitful. The idea is for it to be fruitful, not just, not just to get it done. And so in terms, two, two things. Number one, in terms of the reading plan, if you follow our Aspire Instagram, at Aspire Youth, you can click the link in our bio, and it'll open up a link tree. In the link tree, you'll see a link for our reading plan. Tomorrow, we are starting a new reading plan, it is reading the Bible, uh, the entire Bible through in a year with one psalm a day. So it's like three chapters of the Bible plus a psalm every single day. And uh, that is a great format because you can use the psalm as a way to like pray through scripture. Uh, psalms are really great for that. But um, the, the, the reason why we like to use this Bible app, if you're unfamiliar with it, is because it allows us all to do it together. And we can all comment. I can comment. Alyssa comments a lot. 
and you can ask questions. A lot of people, when they start reading the Bible, they're like, I have no idea what I'm reading. If that is you, type it in the comments. Don't let your pride get in the way of Jesus actually speaking to you. And so ask, at like, hey, what, what is this? I don't understand this. Read it to get it. Read it for God to speak to you. Read it to experience Jesus. And that, that, is, that is one thing. Um, you will, um, uh, you can, you can, we'll start that tomorrow morning, the reading plan. And then, and then second is we're having a, another Friday prayer session. Uh, so we're going to pray this Friday at, from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. in the upstairs auditorium. This is something that we're doing now that's not every single Friday, but it's something that we're surrounding around different events that we, that we have upcoming. And so something we have upcoming that we want to be praying about is the revival services. If you attend on Sunday, we have revival coming up. And so we want to be praying about revival services. And so make it a point to get to these, to get to these services. If you, if you would turn with me in your Bible to, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I'm going to read just one more scripture before we pray. You guys can actually stand to your feet. We can do this one standing. Matthew 7, it's just a, a few scriptures. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. We're talking about knowing Jesus. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, this is Jesus talking. I'm sorry. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. On the day, on, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So that's like a really like brutal scripture to like hear and to listen to and to think about. The idea that, that there's these people that like they knew God. They, like went, they were like telling people about Jesus. They were casting demons out of people. They were like, look at everything we did in your name. Look at everything we did for you. But Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, there's a depth. There's a depth to, to knowing Jesus that we're talking about tonight that isn't just theoretical, but it's deep and real, and personal, and powerful. And it's to the extent that you say, okay, it's not just, it's not just I know Jesus. It is at a level where Jesus knows me. It is at a, it is at a level where he knows me. I don't know if you've ever had someone that you admire before. Maybe it was a celebrity or a pastor. And it's like, you know a lot about them. You, you like you know their 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 families names how many kids they have you know like like when they were born you know how tall they are how much they weigh you know if like they're an athlete or like a singer it's like you know all this about them but like if you went 
to the concert or if you went to the service or if you went and like you saw them in public, they'd be like, they have no idea who you are. You know them, but they don't know you. The same could be true about us and God. That it's like, we, do, we know him up here. There's like a theoretical knowledge that we have about God. But if we were to turn around and ask Jesus, do you know me? There will be some people that Jesus says, I don't, I don't know you. I don't actually know you. There's a depth and a level to knowing Jesus that we say with like a level of tenacity. And this is what we're gonna be about. With a level of tenacity to say, if God doesn't know me, I'm gonna make him know me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after God with everything that I have. And I'm going, to, I'm going to go after him so hard, I'm gonna like wave my hands and scream and shout. Like a person that's lost out in sea trying to get the helicopters and the planes to see him. It's like, you, there might be a billion people on earth, but I'm gonna make so much noise that you don't have any choice but to see me. I'm gonna make so much of a racket. I'm gonna go after you with everything that I have, with the level of tenacity that I, that I never had before to go after God, to say, if, if you're looking for people, and the Bible says that, God's eyes are roaming throughout the whole earth. I just spit everywhere. God's eyes are roaming throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. He's looking for people. Let's be the one that's, okay, oh, I'm over here. God, I'm going after you. God, I'm praying with tenacity. God, I'm, I'm reading your word. God, I'm telling people about Jesus. Yeah, you know, like my pride and like, well, what are they gonna think about me? I don't freaking care. People need to get saved. They need Jesus. And just like completely sold out for God. You know, there's a level that people go after God where it is just, it, it's, 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 it's kind of like, it's kind of like, when you look for something in the fridge and you can't find it, but then as soon as your mom looks, she like grabs it instantly. Like me and, that happens to me and Alyssa all the time. Um, like, I'll be like, hey, Alyssa, like I'm like looking in the fridge. I'm like, have you seen the Italian dressing? It's like, I can't find it anywhere. And I'm like looking and then she's like, yeah, and it's in there. Like, no, like I think we're out of Italian dressing. And she says, no, no, no Josiah you idiot. Like, she didn't say that, but um, like, no, Josiah, like, it's in there. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't see it. And she walks over. She doesn't even look. She's just like, Italian dressing. I'm like, okay. All right. So there's like, there's a level of looking. There's a level of seeking where it's like, you're not actually trying. Like, if that was in there and she pulled it out, so it had to have been. It's like, I wasn't just, I just wasn't looking hard enough. And the, the Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 29, 13, if we can put that up on the screen. Jeremiah 20, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, with everything, with everything, with everything. Raise your hands tonight, with everything. Close your eyes, raise your hands, with everything. I'm gonna seek you with everything, with everything, Jesus, with everything, all of my heart, all of my passion, all of my energy to become more intimately acquainted with Jesus and to know his power and experience his presence. I'm not gonna look for you, Jesus, like I'm looking for Italian dressing in a refrigerator, but I'm gonna make so much noise like a person lost out in sea. In Jesus' name, power now, right through you. In Jesus' mighty name, power right now. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, I'm gonna make so much noise, so much noise, so much noise that I get God's attention, that I, that I get his affection, that one day when I stand before God, he doesn't just say, man, I know you. He says, man, you did a great job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
I'm going after God with everything that I have. Grace, would you just come out into the aisle? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Raise your hands. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Full power right now. In Jesus' name, right now. More, more power. More, a a depth, depth, depth in Jesus. God is saying depth, depth. He's taking you into depth. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We're saying this series, God, I'm going after you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to know Jesus. I'm going to know Jesus to the point where he knows me.